All right, coming up, we're talking the Cubs sweeping the Rockies. Three games straight. We're going to talk about Acuna going for the 40-40 club and finally getting there. And then we're going to finish off with a little NFL talk. We're going to talk about some of Uncle Clint's fantasy sleepers that so far have come true. We're looking to roll. It's the sports life. We're talking sports. Let's go. All right, so starting off with this Cubs series against the Rockies, we're excited. They did what they had to do. They went and swept them. They're staying within this wild card position. They're in the third spot. I think they're over there half game. Half game up, one up. So, again, now we're back on the inside. So if the playoffs started today, the Cubs are back in position. They got a tough stretch here to finish the season against the uh, Braves and then the Brewers. But, again, I'm thinking if they go four of six, that's what I'm hoping. I think if they can go four of six, they're going to get in. I think if they're 500, I'm not sure. It's going to be tight. But we'll jump into these games here. We'll start off with game one. The Cubs had a really nice start to the series here with a 6 nothing win. A couple of my notes, keeping it simple here. Tyone, six innings pitch, four hits, no earned runs. Really a great start out of him. He's been looking pretty solid here recently. And then my other mention is just Suzuki. I mean, I know all of us here... We all want to talk about him. He was 3 of 4, 3 RBIs in this game. He was awesome all series. Since August, Suzuki's been one of the best hitters in the league. Just really impressed with what he's doing out there and really impressed to see the way that he has turned it around. From a guy that was struggling early in the season, for me, I think it's been his aggression. I think when he first came over, he was wanting to see a lot of pitches. What are your thoughts on it, Uncle Clint? He, he needed to sit. He needed to sit for a while, and he they sat him on for a little while so he could get himself right and after he sat and got himself right he's come back and he's done nothing but hit since they since they sat him down for a little stretch there and showed him you know you need to you need to figure it out you need to sit down i think we need to do that with a couple other guys on this team give them a little bit of a break and, and, and get some some guys in there but i mean when you're paying some of these guys the money you're paying them you can't really you, you can't really afford to sit them but i think sitting suzuki helped him a lot uh, since we've had him and he's come back up in August, he has been just ripping the cover off the ball. He's good on the bases, plays a good solid outfield. Suzuki has been very, very, very well for us this year. I agree. I agree. And in this game one, we also had Young. Young went one for three, had a big home run, two RBIs in that game. Really nice to see them bring guys up late in the season that possibly could make a contribution if we make that playoff uh, push here. So again, that was those were the highlights for me for game one. Kane, did you have any thoughts on that first game, that six nothing victory for the um, Cubbies? I feel like that game one victory was uh, really big. You know, just really uh, getting off of the uh, schneid right there after that really rough uh, losing streak. Well, well we added that in picks, by Pittsburgh, but you know, really, a uh, really really good win. We uh, we barely won that game, but uh, I mean, I guess I guess a win's a win. You know, uh, Suzuki. Are you I, on the right game here? They won six nothing. So you're on the, you're already on the game. Oh, three. we're oh. talking game one. Oh, yeah, game yeah, one was okay. a six nothing win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suzuki and was hot the whole yeah. series. Was. Suzuki was great. Um, just a really nice all around game. You know, Tyone, fantastic. Uh, really nice to uh, see Tyone, uh, uh, play well. I mean, he's been kind of up and down. Had a really bad first half, but the second half he's been kind of up and down. But the starts he's had have been more consistent, and he's a really good guy. That I feel like he can be in the bottom rotation. I feel like Drew Smiley, he's been really, really good. Uh, I know uh, my dad especially does not really like Drew Smiley, but I really feel like in the bullpen he's found a place where he can really, you know, really can bear down and eat up a couple innings. And with Snacky, he's been struggling. Good to see him eat up an inning. But our offense, I mean, uh, we kept, we kind of came off uh, really, uh, you know, it was a really nice game. Like I said, Saya, a really nice game. Everyone piecing in, Young, uh, Talkman. I mean, it was just really nice all-around game, and that's what we saw all this series. Everyone piecing in, everyone getting good at-bats, good hits, and uh, spreading the field. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned it. You know, like I say, again, I mentioned at the last pod, putting the pieces together, the bullpen getting the job done. I'm giving Smiley his due. His last few outings have been fantastic. He's looking really good coming out of the pen, and that's what we need. We need this out of our bullpen because we're down Fulmer and we're down Alzale. And without those guys, the pen really let us down in the last series. I don't understand what we're doing here in game two with putting Stroman in for three innings and then coming in with a sign for four. That, uh, 
I, I didn't really understand the, the, the strategy moving on to game two a little bit. That, that to me, didn't make any sense. You got a side who's a starting pitcher, and you're bringing him in for four innings in, in, in middle relief. To me, that, that, that we ended up winning the game, which was ultimately the goal, but it, to me, it doesn't make any sense why they used the side there, unless they were looking to give the bullpen a little bit of a. A little bit of a breather. Yeah, I mean, he kind of saved us there, to be honest. I mean, you look, you put Stroman in, he doesn't get the job done. And I think the plan was to say, hey, if Stroman can't get us five innings, we got to go to Assad this game. I think that's the way he set it up. Kind of seeing if we can work Stroman back into the starting rotation before the postseason. Because if we do make the postseason, we're going to need him. And I think that he didn't want him to just have a couple of, um, you know, middle relief appearances or like a late game appearance he wanted to put him in a position where he could let him roll a little bit and he didn't have it let's be honest i mean three innings pitch five hits three earned he didn't look like he had it no but but you put yourself in a situation now where what are you going to do when a sad spot comes up you got to skip him you got to put somebody in there who ain't pitched all year i mean to, to, to me that didn't that didn't make a whole lot of a whole lot of sense that's the only thing I could think of was that's the way he was laying it out was to I mean he clearly had Assad ready to rock and, and Assad was awesome. I mean he so he saved the game four innings pitch two hits no earned runs. I think he seven Ks too in, in, in that four innings. So yeah, I've been impressed by that guy. He's been very good for us, um, especially during this time of year here where without these guys when um, when Steele hasn't been getting it done here in these last couple of games we've needed these other starters to really step up. I'll tell you another guy. People can say what they want about him, but Yan Gomes has been absolutely huge for the Cubs this year. That guy has come up with some gigantic hits for this team and good veteran presence. Yan Gomes has really, really, really been a good signing for the Cubs, and he, he's he's playing great baseball. I mean, Yan I Gomes, I tip my head off to Gomes. He's, he's coming up with big hits, and he's, he's been a, a key addition to, the, to this organization for us this year. I agree 100%. Gomes has been one of my favorite Cubs since I've really been dialed in with them, which has mainly been the second half of the season. I've been very impressed by him, and I think a team that is going to make a postseason push has to have a veteran catcher or at least a guy that just he's cool, he's calm, he just seems to be that clubhouse guy. He seems to have all those elements. I love Jan Gomes. I think he's been great. And like you said, his hit, it's not just hits, it's big hits. He gets them in spots where it seems like the offense is stalled, and then he comes up with a big, you know, two RBI single or whatever it might be. He's just been phenomenal. Two RBIs in today's game yep. again. I again, mean, he, he, the guy gets big hits. He does. And, yeah, uh, that was one of the big reasons why they cut Tucker Barnhart. I mean, the beginning of the year and opening day around that time, it kind of seemed like Tucker Barnhart and Jan Gomes are going to split time, and then when they um, when Miguel Amaya got called up, it was I mean, it was going to be really rough for them to have three catchers and give Barnhart playing time. And it just seemed like he was he was kind of like, oh, Barnhart, you got to give him some game reps. And that's one of the reasons why they cut Tucker Barnhart. And uh, because it was neither him or Amaya, they cut Barnhart. Amaya's been actually looking good. Uh, but this is, I think David Ross made a lot of criticism. Jan Gomes' uh, team, like he, I mean, he just, he leads it and, he wants to. He knows that he can be one of the big leaders. Another thing, we we put Horner at the top of the order against the Pirates, who scored 14 runs, and then he fumbles the lineup back up again. Leave Horner at the top of the order. This guy should be your leadoff hitter for the rest of the year. He's the best guy we got with the bat. I think Horner needs to become the leadoff guy for this team. I know right now his on-base percentage trails some of the other guys, so he doesn't see as many pitches and draw as many walks. But I think that's his yeah, game Jerry needs to Russell. his team his game needs to graduate to that. And I think when it does, he can be the leadoff hitter for the future for this team. If not, you know they're going to have to find somebody yeah, for that role. Because when you start that. talking about a team, you're, a, a solid postseason team has to have a good a good leadoff guy to get the job done. So Horner was really good in game two. He was kind of one of the one of the highlights there. Two for two with a couple ribbies. Morrell had another big uh, insurance home run in that game to give the Cubs a little bit of breathing room late. So game two again a six three win. We'll take it. Um, in the in those last couple of series, we were coming out with a win early in the series, and then just getting our doors blown off the last couple of games. So it was good to come out, get the first two, and say, hey, can we sweep these guys and stay hot? And uh, Uncle Clint was down there. Uncle Clint was down on a rooftop for game three for the big 4-3 uh, win that we pulled off. We got to see Wicks again. Uh, Wicks has shown himself to be a quality major league pitcher here. I mean, he gets out there, he puts in quality starts, went six innings, four hits, a few earned. He makes, he makes some mistakes. 
he leaves some balls out over the plate sometimes. But again, he's a rookie, and he's been big for us. I mean, where are we at with Stroman getting hurt? If Wicks didn't come in and go, for, he basically has gone four and one in his yeah. first five starts here. He's been great. Yeah, there's been a lot of people stepping out Stroman down, like Assad. Tyler's been better. Wicks. I mean, if we didn't have a lot of people like them step up and Stroman gone, that would be rough. The only guy that started that's been struggling lately, and he's been our best guy all year, is Steele. His last two outings have been, they've been off. I know. I really think he, that he blew his. He blew his. So Give me his Diamondbacks. He only left two, three run homers, and there were two hanging sliders. So. I know he didn't pitch bad in that game. It was on. It was the bookends of that game. He gave it up early, and then he gave it up late, and he pitched phenomenal in the middle. But we just can't have that right now. We need our top dogs to have some bite. And, you know, in, in this whole series, the pen was solid the whole series. In the last series, the pen wasn't there. So here, just enough offense. If you look, six runs, six runs, four runs. So we're not having 14, 15 run performances, but we're getting just enough offense. The starting pitching was putting in quality starts other than the Stroman start in game two. And when all the pieces are working, you're going to win ball games. But like the two games against the Pirates, when you score 15 runs in two games, you got to win both of those games. Man. Oh, yeah. You, just can't, you can't have that much offense and then blow two games, especially against a team like Pittsburgh. That was that was kind of disheartening. Well, I, feel like, I really feel like our bullpen's been struggling. You know, David Ross is having a feeling of who can he really trust in big moments? Like, alzale has gone right now. Fulmer's gone. They'll be back. Uh, I, I know that, but maybe he might not. Maybe it'll be too late. But uh, Lither, he's been he's been, he's been been good. Merriweather's been struggling. And then you go look at the bottom of the bullpen. Well, Boxenberger, he's been all right. He's now injured. Um, you look at the bottom of the bullpen, you know, Hayden Wozniacki, Daniel Palencia. I just don't know if I can trust these guys. I don't um, trust those guys. We need some more lefties. <laughs> we need some more lefties out of the pen too. We need some more left-handed pitching come out of the bullpen. Yeah. A couple other notes on this game. We've had we, you know, our our big dogs, the guys that have been awesome for us. Gomes, Suzuki, huge plays in this game. Suzuki another couple hits. Gomes with a big two RBI hit. Um, and a guy I've been mentioning the last couple pods, who's clearly starting to see the ball better right now, is Wisdom. Wisdom has. Had his average make a big jump. I think he went from 197 to 208 here recently. Wow, so we're talking, he's kind of our poor man Schwarber, which I'll let you talk about Schwarber season a little bit here in a second. But um, wisdom, you can see it. You can see the way he's approaching it right now. He's the type of stick you get him going. If we make it, if we make it into that first round, he's the type of guy to come in with some big pinch hit action or something like that. I'll take his 208 at third base over Nick Madrigal any day. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Madrigal. This guy's Madrigal, Madrigal, whatever you want to call him. He should be he should be riding the pine until he gets splinters in his hand. And that guy, he has zero power. I cannot stand that guy. I don't like him at all. Dude, man. we're little guys. We played ball growing up. We're the little guys. Where's the love for the little guys, man? He's a guy that, that guy. he's a guy that's probably grinded out his whole career. To make it to where he's at, and he's playing third. That's like a big boy spot, and he plays it pretty good. He's just played third base at all with the White Sox. Dude, you're in love with today's game. It's got to be a home run for you. I think that he has actually played pretty well for the Cubs. Hey, I didn't say he's a power guy. He homered in big spots against the Guardians, against the White Sox. A couple of basket shots. The one was a big one. The one was a big one. If he don't hit that home, we don't win that game. This is true. I, you know, he's. I don't love him, but I'll tell you, he's a he's a little he's a little guy. He's a grinder, and he has not been bad for us. He plays a solid third. You're right. He's got no pop, but he's he's a little player, man. For that, he's got no pop. He has a strong arm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But here we go. And the last thing I'll mention about the Cubs before I give Uncle Clint a little piece on Schorber is PCA still don't have a hit, man. And it's like he's, he's not gonna. I mean, but he's our he he's our future center fielder, and he's phenomenal out there. Yeah, he's supposed to be your number one prospect. You got to be able to have a stick. Don't we you we got to get that hit going because he could be the leadoff guy, right? Lefty, fast, Speed. Sp- all those things. Center fielder. He's got his defense is phenomenal. I mean, so we got to get. You know, I'm sitting here. I'm feeling bad for him. Too good. I don't know, dude. It's too early. Today he I, gets up to. He tries to bunt. His friend, the first pitch. Like, what are you still They're trying to find him something. They're trying to find him that layup. You know, like they, like I say, like that NBA play. Get your big man at the And then he gets going, too. You know, it might be. Well, That's I got watching to go about this game. So, uh, I really felt like it was a kind of a. It, I mean, it, we, let's just say we've uh, 
we got lucky we won that game. I mean, it was not the best well-played game for us. It was kind of a timely hitting for us and timely hitting for the Rockies. Fortunately for us, uh, we got we got our bullpen kind of helped us. But I mean, Patrick Wisdom, you could kind of see, uh, like you said, you could kind of see um, him. You know, he was swinging the bat better. He was taking more. He wasn't seeing as much swings and misses. But you know, say Suzuki. Uh, wisdom, domes, I mean, just timely hits, good at-bats, right. half of the big hit. I really feel like in this whole series, our middle to bottom of the order was really stepping up. I mean, the bottom of the order was fantastic, uh, but there was one guy, and you guys probably don't know him as much as I do, but Miles Master Boney. Mm, I mean, this is a hitting. guy that, he made the opening day roster, he started in right field, he, I, I just did not like him, and then he gets, Nick Mantle gets injured while he was, uh, well, he wowed the Cubs on that big eight-game winning streak. And and um, he comes in. He steps up. Swing the bat. You're just laughing at you because you're crinkling up the bottle on oh. us. Don't be crinkling up the bottle. The mic's going to catch it. Um, just playing with you. Go ahead. And uh, he, I really felt like I liked him. And then he gets sent down again when he was swinging the bat better. And then Nick Magical, he, he gets called up with Magical still playing. He doesn't get any playing time. And then he finally gets to start, and he's been absolutely raking, using the whole field, using his speed, playing phenomenal third base. This is a really guy that's been stepping up for us when Nick Magical's been gone. I agree. I agree. Uncle Clint, I know we want to talk about briefly Kyle Schwarber's legendary season this year with these. It's, it's, it's amazing that a guy can be leading off hitting 196. With 45 homers, 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored, and 100 walks. It's unheard of. It, there's no possible way this could have ever been done in the history of baseball. I mean, the, if the guy hits 250 or 260, he's an MVP consideration. The only reason he's not there is because his batting average is down. His he's, on, on, he's on a winning team. His on I mean, base he's on percentage is like 340 with a 196 batting average. It's unheard of. I mean, I, I don't understand how the guy does it. Another thing about Schwarber, everywhere Schwarber plays, the teams win. Schwarber is a winner. Everywhere that guy plays, his teams are, his teams win. He's on winning organizations. And with statistics like that, even with a 196 average, you're helping your team out. I, I turn him on, and I watch him hit, and I think to myself, how is he hitting under 200? He looks like he puts in good at-bats every time I watch him. He's comfortable at the plate. He lays off bad pitches. He walks a lot. He gets on bait. I mean, I don't. He's over 100 walks. I don't understand how he's even batting that poorly, honestly. I mean, you're right. The guy's a winner. He goes to winning teams. He's Right now, he's on another team that's looking good right now He's with the Phillies. He looks – he's going to contribute again in the postseason. And his game usually notches up in the postseason. And you're probably going to see that again this year. So we wanted to throw his stats out there just to give him a shout-out because for having a sub-200 average, I don't think anybody's ever seen a season like this. Most of the time, you don't continue to get the opportunities <laughs> at the plate when your average is so low. But in today's analytics, the, you, he's still the helping league, his team. The league average on base percentage is 320. He's above that somehow with a 196 batting average. It's unheard of. How many home runs does he have? You got 45. 45 home runs. He has 45 home runs. I mean, the guy's probably second in the league behind Olsen, I think. Yeah. Unless him and Alonzo might be tied. I'm not sure. He might it's, be third. And, but, and I don't see him, you know, he's a guy that's going to give you 40 home this runs. This is every another guy, playing. like we said before. 30 years old, he's got a shot at 500 home runs. He does. This guy rakes 40, 45 home runs every year. But I just looked at the 196 batting average with those numbers, and it just blew me away that you could have 100 walks, 100 runs scored, and 100 RBIs, 45 home runs, and hit 196. It's absolutely unheard of. I don't think it's ever been done in the history of baseball. I agree. All right, we're moving on. All right, we're going to talk the 40-40 club. We got to give this guy his flowers here, Ronald Acuna Jr., first guy in 17 years to make the 40-40 club. This is really a unique group when you think about it. All the years in baseball, only five guys have done this. There's a lot of guys that have come close. But this season, Acuna's putting in here. 
He has, he just hit the 40 home run mark. He's going to be the first guy to have over 70 steals. Most of the guys hovered around right in that 40 I, level. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, yeah, I'll go through the guys, um, and, but I just wanted to give him. He almost made it in 19, and he's a young guy. In 2019, he had 41 home runs and 37 stolen bases. So he almost made it right there. It's funny that a lot of the guys that were close to 40-40, are a lot of the same guys that got 40-40. They had multiple Soriano's seasons. Guy that almost yeah. did it twice. He had 39 homers and 41 steals, I think, the other year that he, yep. that he fell short. So he, he almost made it twice. For Soriano, that was 0-2 with the Yanks. So we'll go through the guys real quick um, and talk about them. Soriano did it in 2006 with the Nationals. He had 41 home runs and 46 stolen bases. Like Uncle Clint said, in 0-2 with the Yanks, he had 39 homers and 41 stolen bases. So he almost got it that year. Soriano was really a unique combination of speed and power. I mean, we're, like I said, we got a list of five here. And for Soriano to almost make that list twice, he was impressive. Even when he came over to the Cubs, he still had some impressive years, some power left in the tank. But he was on a, he, he had some bad Cubs teams he was playing with. But he was, uh, he had a really nice career. A Rod was before him. We'll go kind of in, we're going in order from the most recent to the oldest. A Rod in 1998 went 42 home runs, 46 stolen bases. <clears throat> One note on him: the 46 stolen bases for him were 17 more than any other season he had. So A-Rod was obviously, I mean, as we go down this list, these are some of the prime players in the history of baseball that are on this. My favorite, of course, is coming up next. But what, what, any thoughts on A-Rod's 40-40 season? Uh, you know, A-Rod would not be a, him or Canseco, really, if you look at them, would not be prototypical guys be getting 40 stolen bases. I mean, these are big, Correct. strong home run hitters. And you just wouldn't think guys guys like, like that would be in position to get the 40-40. The I mean, when Bonds did it, he still was, was you know, a smaller guy, right. more, more reasonably sized and had the speed, and then he just blew up later on in his career. But, right. I mean, Rodriguez, especially Canseco, Canseco was a beast. Yeah, he was I mean, built like a linebacker, man. He built like a huge guy, and for him to have that kind of speed and the ability to steal 40 bases was... I believe he was the first 40-40 guy. Canseco was. Canseco? Yep, Canseco, 1988, went for 42 home runs, 40 stolen bases. Interesting fact on this, um, Canseco was the only guy to win MVP in their 40-40 season. So I'm very surprised about that, and I'm interested to see if Acuna joins him on that because I know you got back Mookie up there. He should. I think Acuna, Acuna should win the MVP this year. I think so, too. I know we'll do that on a future pod once the regular season's over. We'll go through all the MLB awards and talk about who we think should be, you know, who are the lead guys in each spot. I got to go through Bonds real quick because Bonds, Bonds is the guy in 96. He went 42 homers, 40 stolen bases. Um, in his career, he hit over 40 homers eight times, and he stole over 40 bases three times. So you'll see these guys, as they got bigger and started hitting more home runs, their speed typically tailed off. And that's what you're talking about with A-Rod. A-Rod was, when he was real young, when he entered the league, he didn't have the power yet. And as he got the power, he just had kind of that middle section of his, I don't want to say middle, but at least a few years into his career where he was able to compete at that 40-40 level. And then that obviously curtailed off as he started putting up big power numbers later in his career and not as many stolen bases. With the way they play baseball today, too. <laughs> It stand up there and swing for the for the fence. Right. Not a lot of people steal anymore. I mean, it's just it's just a home run or bust. Here, here's an amazing fact, though, when you think about this, Bonds did not win an MVP in his forty forty season, but Bonds won seven MVPs. Seven MVPs. So to think that he did not win it in that season and that ninety six, I'd have to look back. But 96 feels like that Terry Pendleton year where he, like, snuck past. Is, could that have been Pendleton? i got to look back and see. He snuck in an MVP in a weird year. Maybe it was earlier in the 90s. It might have been earlier in the i got to look back and see. Been. But I just it stuck out It stuck out because I'm trying to figure out who won it that year. I'd have to look back and see. But the other thing about Bonds is that you want to talk about family legacy here. The other guy that almost went 40-40 a couple times was his dad. His dad, his dad went... 39 homers, 43 stolen bases in 1973. He had multiple other chances that he was right there. Another guy that came very close was Vlad Guerrero in 02. He went 39-40. But here's the here's the kicker with the Bonds family thing. His godfather, Willie Mays, was the first. And isn't that amazing that you have Barry Bonds, 
his dad Bobby, and then his godfather Willie Mays, who was Willie was really the guy, to, the first guy to get close to doing it early in his career. So it's just amazing when you look at the lineage there and think about the quality of baseball that got played. I mean, I know Bob, I think Bobby and Willie were like best friends back in the day, and uh, but an amazing list, an amazing accomplishment, really, just for Major League Baseball a very unique combination of speed and power to get the 40-plus stolen bases and 40-plus home runs. So that list right now, Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Alfonso Soriano, and now the latest addition, Ronald Acuna Jr. Another guy I was looking at the other day. It's a little bit off subject, so I'll touch on it just real quick. That's fine. guy like Mike Piazza. This guy was brought into Major League Baseball as a favor to his dad. He was the last pick. And Major League Baseball is a favorite of his father, and he goes on to have a, a, a Hall of Fame career. I mean, it's stuff like that. It, those are amazing stories, stuff like that. That's, that is. That's yeah, an that's amazing cool. story for a guy like Piazza. You got anything on 4040? Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's really tough to do that because I feel like it's tough because it's like you have to, like, Hit home runs and steals. Like, right, like get out of here. We're moving on. That is what you have to do to make it in the 44 Club. You have to hit home runs and steal bases. And you are correct. It is tough you, because you have to hit home runs. You have to be a power steal. hitter and you have to be fast. That's what I'm just saying. I you agree. You have to steal a lot of bases. You're not usually you're usually small. And you don't hit a lot of home runs. Let me ask you a question. With these rule changes, do you see it being more likely or less likely? Moving more forward? likely. Correct. I you do. saw. I mean, the, you saw. I think one time. I think it was yesterday or the day before the Cubs game. I think Nico Horner, Miles Mastroboni, uh, the guy used his pickoff attempts too many, and then the and uh, Nico Horner he knew it, and he's like, "Oh, he's not gonna, uh, he's not gonna throw over. I want to take a big lead," and he just, and he, and he uh, stole the bag right. really. I mean, easy. I think the guy from the Mariners, uh, he's thirty thirty this year. He's thirty thirty. So I think you're gonna see, you know, you're gonna start to see this. The rules are. Favorable to stealing bases. The Base bags about uh, that big. Now, the bags so. got bigger. You got the pickoff attempt rule. So I think you'll see those stolen bases notch up. And as you see that, we already know the game's getting more and more powerful. If you can, it's becoming hit the long ball, and that's if you can do that, you'll be on an MLB roster. So with well, the combination of those things, I think you're you're probably right about that. All right, we're moving on. All right, fantasy football talk. Whenever uh, now that we're in this NFL season. Got Uncle Clint with me. I got to talk a little bit of fantasy. And the first thing I want to bring up is Uncle Clint gave us a couple of sleepers early in the season. And so far, they have flushed out big time. I mean, first we had the guy Tank Dell. He mentions a guy that weighs 160 pounds. And I'm thinking, no way is this guy going to do a whole lot in the NFL. Well, today, Tank went for five catches for 145 yards and a touchdown and another touchdown he caught one and got taken down the one yard line so he almost had two touchdowns last week he went seven for i think 72 and a touchdown you're talking a guy scoring 15 20 plus points and he's on a team that likes to throw so tank dell i mean get him on your rosters now if he's available i think uncle clint picked him up for a dollar somewhere what do you think uncle clint and i also drafted probably one of Less than 1% of the guys out there that drafted Puka Nakua. And Puka Nakua, his first two weeks, he hasn't got any end zone yet, but he's caught a lot of passes for a lot of yardage. And in, in PPR, I mean, he's averaging you to 20, 20 points a week, especially with cup out. Um, I, I did not know that when when I drafted him, the couple's going to be off, but that increased his value a lot because, uh, like I was telling Pep, Matthew Stafford likes to throw football. Right, oh, for I mean, sure. So yeah. so he's going to, you know, even when Cubs back, Puka's still going to eat. He's still going to get 8, 10, 12 targets a game. But I did predict Tank Dell to have 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns at the beginning of the season. He's well on his way right now. I, I don't see how he's not going to get there. I mean, he guy gets open. I mean, I was watching a Best couple of... Best runner out there. That's exactly watching a couple of... Tank Dell was that. The guy gets open. I was watching plays today on him. I mean, he was wide open in a couple plays. I mean, he wasn't quite Tyreek open, but he was he was open. And if you can run routes and you got speed, I mean, why not? Why can't the guy get it done? So I, I wanted to bring up Caden's team a little bit this year because Caden's team, his main team against his buddies, he's got a few teams, but his main team against his buddies has been an absolute disaster. And I'll mention this because 
I didn't necessarily think the draft was bad, but it's amazing how injuries can really flip things around for your guys. Number one, uh, Nick Chubb was his number one running back, and Nick Chubb is phenomenal, and he's a good fantasy guy. He catches just enough balls out of the backfield to be valuable in a PPR, and he's five yards plus a carry like that every time. I mean, he gets a lot of touches. He's solid. A lot of times, I'll, I'll you wouldn't tell in his case, but a lot of times I'll handcuff guys. I'll pick up their backup just in case they go down for an injury and then you're not scrambling around trying to look for a guy. You've already got him tucked away on your bench. You know, like I took a shot in one of my leagues on Jonathan Taylor and I, I, I got him tucked away and he could possibly win me the league. I, he was available in the 10th round. I mean, yeah, I don't have him for the first four weeks of the season, but a guy with that kind of potential being available in the 10th round, I couldn't, I, I, I just couldn't pass him up. So he stored away, uh, and on that league, I've got uh, Derek Henry, B. John Robinson, Joe Mixon, and Rashad White already. So, I'm, of course, they've all flopped today, Robinson and Henry. Terrible games today for both of those guys. But my wide receivers, Keenan Allen and uh, Tank Dell, and them guys picked me up. They picked up the slack. Yeah, if you can stash a back, because backs, if they're fresh later in the season, you notice the difference between guys that have been taking the pound, taking the carries. You know, like you get a Henry who's already so many carries in, he's already taken the beating of the NFL, and then you got a fresh Taylor on a, maybe, a, maybe a team that's going to be making a push. Right. You know, you can get some value out of it. see, and this, guys like Tank Dell and Puka Nakua are the reason why I do not draft wide receivers way up high and waste a first-round pick on these guys because these guys are performing at or close to what a Justin Jefferson would be. And I got two powerhouse running backs in place of passing on a guy like Jefferson and picking up on these guys way later in, in rounds that are, 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 are going to still produce for me. They ain't going to produce at his level. But if they produce anywhere close and my running backs do what they're supposed to do, I'm ahead of the game. That's why I'm not a big, huge wide receiver guy early. Um, because But you got to pay attention to guys like Tank Dell and Puka Nakua. Right. Nobody was on either one of them guys at the beginning of the year. Nobody knew nothing about either one of them guys. you got, you got to have those guys... In position, and you got to be ready to go with those guys because one good week and those guys are off the scrap pile. Nakua was available in 98% of the leagues after week one, 75% of the leagues he was in. He was picked up on some of his roster already, and that was before he went off against San Francisco for the for the 15 catches and 145 yards. So, I mean, he he's a, a, a and then you can get a guy like. Keenan Allen. I mean, this Keenan Allen is a big money wide receiver, and he'll never get drafted inside the f- first three or four rounds. I mean, this this is why I use the strategy of running back, running back, and get the the Mike Evanses and the Keenan Allens and that stuff later on in the draft. It's been successful for me for a long, long time, and that's why I stay with with that that strategy for me. I I, I like the strategy. One of the reasons I like it is because. Wide receivers are dependent on their quarterback. So you not only have to worry about the wide receiver getting injured, you also got to worry about their quarterback getting injured. If you look at Garrett Wilson, I don't think anybody would argue with me. He's, a, he's at least a top 10 wide receiver in the league. He might be a top 5 wide receiver in the league, and he's not getting any action. He, he, he won't be this year. Because well, no, I'm saying he won't be, but I'm saying he has top 5 talent. Correct. Now, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Caden's got – that's his wide receiver one is Garrett yeah. Wilson. So his running back in Chubb is gone. His wide receiver one in Wilson is gone pretty much because Zach Wilson stinks. Yes, he I does. mean, he stinks. But he, you, you have to then, what you have to do is you have to look at teams, if you're trying to replace those guys, like uh, the guy from the Jets, you got to look at a team like Houston. They have no running back. Right. C.J. Stroud's going to stand back there and throw this thing 40, 45 times a game. And that's why a guy like Tank, Val, Tank Dell and, and these guys brings you value because he's going to get the ball thrown to him. I mean, they got to – and then – and, you know, like I said with the Rams, yeah, they had Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson. Those guys stink. I, I said at the beginning of the year, these guys stink. Nakua's going to outplay both of these guys, and he's going to take the number two position even after Cup's gone. And you can see that that's going to turn out to be right. And Stafford throws the ball enough to where Nakua can still be valuable 
all year, even if and when Cup does come back. I agree. It's a lot about, I don't do the research in the fantasy stuff, but it does seem to be a lot about how much, you know, do that research and figure out which teams throw the ball a lot, figure out which team, you know, how those offenses are operating. How much work do you put into to the miscellaneous stuff like the field goal kickers and things like that? And how do you figure out maybe who might be a guy that's going to get a lot of opportunities? I'm looking at, for example, what this, do you see what this Colts guy did today? He kicked four field goals over 50 yards in one game, including the game winner. What? I think he racked that's, up that's 24 30, points. That's 30 points in some of my leagues. I was going to say, I think this was somewhere in the 25 to 30 point that, range in fantasy. In my league, I right. mean, that, that's something where that's you crazy. do all this work and you try to figure out these guys and a kicker and maybe a good defensive performance just catapults somebody ahead of you. And I'm always wondering, like, kickers, it doesn't seem like you're as much looking to say, oh, this guy's a good kicker, as much as you're looking at the game to be like, this kicker's going to get a lot of chances. When I look at kickers, I try to get a guy that, that makes field goals. Yeah, it doesn't. And you you want to you want a guy that's on a high volume team, a high scoring team, right? Because he's going to get opportunities, right? To, to to kick a guy like I had uh, the kicker for Buffalo today. I think he he got me sixteen or seventeen points uh, as as my field goal kicker for the Bills. I mean, if you get fifteen to twenty out of your kicker. Uh, and most weeks you're going to be you're going to be ahead of the game. It, it's it's it, 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 fantasy is real tricky. You have to pay attention. You got to be right. You got to be one step ahead of your your the competition. Especially like Pinhead Philkins asked me. He's in a five deep wide receiver league, and he asked me to give him two super sleepers and I gave him Nakua and Dell, both of them and he's rolling over these guys in his league right now because <laughs> he put both of those guys in and he's been playing them and these guys when he went up there to draft he said Clint he said these guys were like who are these guys <laughs> nobody in his league even knew who these guys were and he, he, he's I mean these guys these are the guys you gotta have if you want to win they're the guys you gotta find. They're the guys you gotta have if you if you want to win. You gotta find guys like that. Sometimes you gotta d d dig down deep to find them. And like today in one of our leagues, Pep started Fields over Lawrence. I, I didn't like that play, but Trevor Lawrence has not performed very well this year. His, his three outings so far. Neither is Fields, but by the way, but well, but Trevor Lawrence has just not performed that well this year. I mean, let's let's cut it. We'll cut it like it is. Fields is barely an NFL quarterback. Lawrence is a stud. Lawrence, if you're watching what's happening there, his receivers are not getting open. And today, he hit Calvin Ridley right in the freaking numbers, and the guy drops a touchdown pass. So, I mean, today I think he had one touchdown, one interception. But you're talking about him being over 300 yards with two touchdowns today if his number one receiver makes a play. So he doesn't have the weapons right now. I don't know why. I love ETN. I think ETN's a guy. He's obviously got that chemistry with him from, from Clemson. But Lawrence, you're, I'm almost feeling bad for him right now because – I feel like he needs to use his legs more, unlike Fields, who I don't want Fields going and always wanting to run the ball. And he needs to learn how to pass the ball in the NFL. But Lawrence, I feel like with the big body, he needs to be running the ball a little bit more. They get the ball down on the goal line. Why not do a Jalen Hurts type thing, put some packages in for him to punch it in? And that's why in my one league I had to pick up Prescott this week because I thought against uh -oh. Arizona he was going to have a great week. And, of course, they get beat by Arizona, which I did not see that coming. But I... I drafted that Anthony Richardson guy. When you got a guy that's 6'4", 245, he's going to pound a bunch of touchdowns and down by the goal line. And, you know. He already he, did. He, Last he week he started the game. If he didn't go into concussion protocol, he had two touchdowns yeah, in the we, first we, we 10 minutes. A, we had a, a guy at Salerno's who was messing around with me, and he says, let's do a parlay. So I says, okay, take uh, – Take uh, the Colts to win on the money line. This was last week. Yeah. And I says, take Anthony Richardson running in for two touchdowns. Nico Collins a receiving touchdown. And David Montgomery a rushing touchdown. We hit them all. It was 120 to 1. Oh, wow. We hit all four. I mean, we only bet a buck on it. But you made 120 bucks for a dollar bet. And numbers like that. And I told you, he's hurt now for a week or two. But right. Mon using Mon concussion Montgomery's protocol. another guy. But Montgomery's another guy. Dude's going to score touchdowns. Yeah. And, this, yeah. and this Gibbs guy is not really – he had the opportunity to step up today, and I sat him, and I was taking some heat for it. I played Carrion Williams for the Rams instead, 
And I think that I made the right decision now after I see what Gibbs did because Kirion, he's been a, he's been a machine for 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 the Rams the first two weeks of the year. I'm hearing so many big things about Bijan and Gibbs and obviously open field stuff. These guys are amazing. I mean, these guys are but but Gibbs don't have it in between the tackles right now, and maybe he'll get that. But he don't have that power in between the tackles. I was watching guys. You know, it looked like they were blowing him over, and I mean, like not hitting him real hard, and him he was going he's down. A big guy. He's I know, but he, I'm telling you, he was not. Sometimes it takes a little bit of right. It takes a little bit of that NFL experience to really learn how to run hard. You know who runs hard? Christian McCaffrey runs hard. I know he gets hurt, but God, that guy runs through people and he tries to knock people out. And yeah. so does Debo. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, you watch that guy run. This yeah. guy runs really hard. Uh, Caden, this is the microphone to the podcast. If you disconnect it, it shuts down the whole show. All right, so quit playing with it. But yeah, I mean, I think so. You end up picking up Bijan somewhere. Bijan, I mean, I've seen these guys that they got crazy field speed. They look really awesome. But again, they're rookies, man. And I'm not a rookie. I'm not a rookie guy. But I had like the sixth pick in the draft in that particular draft, and he was the best guy on the board. So I took him. I just, I, I like I said in the, the earlier pod. Rookies usually got to prove something to me before I go putting them in there and starting them because you're 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 putting a lot of pressure on a guy. But if you're the number five or six overall draft pick, you need to go out there and perform. I right. Mean, you you got to get the job done. How many guys do you think had Devon Kane rostered this week? <laughs> uh, I would say <laughs> that's probably, how you say his name. <laughs> I would say probably. Less than five percent. This guy put up fifty plus points. He think he had what do you have four or five touchdowns today? He had four, and he was he's the backup to Motion. I know. Well, four. he was catching balls out of the backfield for touchdowns. He he ran for two oh three with two touchdowns. Mostert had three or four. I mean, well, when your team puts up seventy points, there's a pretty good chance that you want yeah. uh, their you players want on your fantasy. On your fantasy team. <laughs> I mean, Tyreek Ter- Hill had another two hundred yard game receiving again. He's good. That's his second one in three weeks. Well, first of all, I, I had nine for one fifty-seven. Maybe I picked up the wrong number on him. But I, for Tyreek, I had nine for one fifty-seven. Oh, that's true. Either way, let me tell you something about Tyreek Hill. Might be right about if that. Tua is the quarterback, Tyreek Hill is going to have a monster year. I mean, because you really didn't get to see him with Tua the whole season last year. I can't remember where Tua got hurt in there. But I mean, tell me why he can't. Pick up a two thousand receiving yards. Right, I mean, this is our team that can make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you good. mentioned it. You mentioned it when we were going through our picks. The Dolphins. I was with the Jets. The next week, I came on as soon as Rodgers got hurt, and I said, if I had to pull a mulligan, I'd go with the Dolphins. And so far, they look like the real deal. I mean, they actually had the chance to break the NFL record for points in a game today. Seventy-three by the Bears, and they kneeled. They kneeled it out. The guy kneeled it out. He he was within range of a field goal, and the coach, you know, went for the you know gamesmanship type thing and said no i'm not gonna he did it he did the right thing he kneeled it out rather than kick the field goal because it obviously it was 73 to 70 it'd be different but um that was pretty cool of him but again he was right there i mean so the dolphins look like the real deal the denver broncos franchise right now is an embarrassment they gotta (laughs) they gotta do some major repair work over there god they guys are just totally their secondary defense is awful but the the nfl in, in sports in general, sometimes can be so interesting when you see a guy like Russ Wilson, right? I mean, this guy, you'd have loved to have him on your team just two years ago, and it looks like he found the cliff, the man. The defensive coordinator for the Broncos should be immediately let go from the team. <laughs> Why? You only give up 70. <laughs> you give up 70. That's not going to be a fun week of practice. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing this calculation correctly because I'm, I'm guessing that's 10 touchdowns with that's no field 10 goals. Touchdowns. <laughs> 10. Ten touchdowns that in the NFL. Ten touchdowns in one game. Oh man, you, you got any other thoughts on any sleepers for us or anything like uh, that? With it the it doesn't matter. Game? I give him the Caden. He doesn't need him. Tank Dell. Caden has Caden has had Tank Dell on his roster, but he has I not put played him. Puka, you did not put in Puka last week when he caught fifteen balls. Well, hopefully, he'll do this week. Caden needs to start talking to his general managers, me and Uncle Clint. You he's, call him to sit him. No, no, no. Yeah, no. He was going to sit him over Garrett Wilson. I said, when you draft your wide receiver one, you play your wide receiver one. I told him sit exactly. him. Exactly. I told him play Puka and bench D-Hop. 
But I like, in my opinion, you ride with your horses. If your guy's not hurt, you draft him early, you roll with him. You cannot sit Garrett Wilson. You got to keep trying him. He'll. Cousins is going to be there, dude. Until Cousins they get another quarterback. Until they get another quarterback, right. Garrett Wilson season's history. I think you're right. I think you're right. They just can't. I think today he had two I catches. I saw him on the sidelines. He was like yelling at Zach Wilson. He's, he's arguing with them over there. It's a mess. Wilson is awful. Um, and he's probably the only quarterback in the league that looks worse than Fields. Because Fields looks completely lost. Fields right now, he's the king of garbage points, though. The Bears are guaranteed to pick up a touchdown in the fourth quarter of every game. (laughs) It does not look good. The Bears right now, Chicago sports talk here, we don't want to get too much into it when it comes to the Bears. The Bears may not win. The Bears, I don't think they're going to win four games this year. I was arguing with a guy the other day. He's like, it's the offensive line. I said, dude. No, it's not. I said, Fields has not. over three and a half seconds to throw the football. The the first two games of the season, that was the average amount of time he had to throw the football. It was like 3.2 or 3.3 seconds. And he just holds on to it and holds on to it and holds on to it. This bar that, that my buddy runs in the city, this country club by Wrigley, is a Jets bar. So we oh, were there today, and Jets fans were everywhere. Jets. It's, a, it's a huge Jets part. The guy that I can't owned, believe they're coming the guy out. that owned it, I guess, is it, it used to be a big New York Jets fan. So his following, they follow him there. I mean, there was Jets fans everywhere. The whole bar was packed. Jets fans travel, it. man. They're and then everywhere. they got another bar down there where, where there's a bunch of Cleveland fans. It's called the, they got the dog pound on it thing. A whole bunch of Cleveland Browns fans were in there. That team's got some good defense going right now. They do. Uh, Amari Cooper's another wide receiver I got. Yeah, he's great. He had, a, he had a big game today again, too. So. I just don't trust. So speaking, of, speaking of Amari Cooper, he had a good game today, 7 for 116 and a touchdown. But the, they're number two over there. Elijah Moore. Jets let him go. Yeah. He was their number he was the Jets number two. What are the Jets doing? I mean, Rodgers brings these guys in from Green Bay, Lazard, Cobb. These guys their careers are over. You had to keep that guy there. I think that guy needed to be there with Wilson if Rodgers stayed healthy, and I think they really could have had something on offense. Because with Brees Hall, Brees Hall and uh Cook, they can't move. They got nowhere to go. They, they... Who was the quarterback that that decided to stay retired that the Jets were trying to get. The Jets were trying to sign somebody, and he said, no, I, I, I'd rather Kaepernick? stay retired. He was a veteran. No, was it... Uh, Tom Brady. No, it wasn't Brady. Was it Wentz? Did Wentz retire? No. I'm not sure, but uh, we were talking about it today, not by the game, that somebody, an old veteran for the, was supposed to be hired by the Jets, and he refused to play. He said, I'm going to stay retired. I'm not going to. You know who's, you, no, it's not Brady. You know who's got to be? At, Cousins has got to be. Cousins throws the ball a ton. He's the only guy. He's on a one-year deal with the Vikings. The Vikings stink. He was a guy I tried to pick up before Prescott to play because he's a guy who throws for 4,000 yards and now, course, 25 or 30 touchdowns every year. Is, What's uh, the question? What's the question? If they sign Kirk Cousins, do they just put Wilson as a backup to, or do they cut him? No, he'll stay as backup. You gotta have a backup QB. Out of the league, cut. The guy <laughs> he's stinks. their number one right stinks. now. He's terrible. <laughs> Out of the league, done. He looked I mean, good in hard knocks. It's funny that you can tell. You know, you can tell who don't belong. You, you can't always figure everything out in the NFL right away. Sometimes guys surprise you. Like I always said, Hurts surprised me from from college to the pros. But you you can tell guys that don't belong there. Wilson does not belong there. <laughs> They they need to get somebody in there. The jet season's gonna be over in a blink. You got this guy for the the Panthers too. He's out already. The uh, the, the the rookie quarterback. He didn't play today. No. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, but that dude. What's his name? Uh, he's the number one pick. Why can't we think of his Bryce name? Young. Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. I I was watching plays last week. These guys bump into him and he falls down. I mean he. Too small. He's, he's, too, he's small. too small. The quarterbacks are big for a reason. You know, a guy like Tank Dell, he can do it. He can run routes. He can get open. These guys, a small quarterback, I don't know. He's got he's got great accuracy, but I saw guys bump into he's him and got, he fell down. He's got a shotgun almost every play because he can't see over his offensive line. I mean, the guy's too short. I agree. He, I don't know if he's got I tell you, if they redrafted today, it would go Stroud, Richardson, then Young. I'd almost guarantee it. Those teams would be playing that differently. We're going to close with this because I'm, I've been thinking about it. When basketball season's on, you hear a lot about the Lakers and you hear a lot about LeBron James. When football season's on, all you hear about is the Dallas Cowboys. I watch the, I listen, you know, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless now, the new Undisputed, has got Michael Irvin on it. Oh, no, the Cowboys, this and the Cowboys. 
I know that they lost Diggs uh, this week. That guy's a gambler. He's a really good corner, but he's a gambler. He's not like a real cover stick guy um, like Sauce is for for uh, for the New York Jets. Don't but again, sauce. no, don't throw the sauce. Sauce is awesome, but he can't catch Dallas. Ah, that's what what's his name told him last week from the Cowboys. But but Dallas and I talked to a Cowboys friend. I have a friend of mine that's a Cowboys fan today, and I said, "How hard is it, man? Because you're covered so much. You know the the national media is on every move these guys make, and I just don't think they can get it done. I mean, they look like they got all the tools this year, and then you go into Arizona. Arizona's awful. Arizona's Terrible. in that mix with the Bears. Terrible. That would have been it, like. Lead pipe locking a week to Taylor How do you game. go in and play like that? And Dak, how does Dak go into that game and all of a sudden look like that? I mean, I don't even I don't even think Pollard had a good like. What's going on with what? the Cowboys? I mean, the Cowboys. What do you think about okay. it? I mean, I just I think they get covered. Cowboys, but they, I know you're not a Cowboys fan. But I don't even want to talk about your team because your team really. Uh, Saints? Yeah, the Saints. Big, big game today against the Packers. They choked it out. But anyway, sticking, st- sticking with this Cowboys theme, I just think they're not going to get done, and I think people are going to be talking playoffs. about them. Don't make I, I think they'll. Yeah, but I like in in their division. I like the Eagles, and I think they could obviously sneak in as a. Card. I think they'll come in as a wild card. I'm, they may win the division, tell but you they're going to lose in the playoffs. Tell oh yeah, I'm going to tell you that stinks. I feel bad for this quarterback. The New York Giants stink. Yes, they do. They are absolutely horrible. And Daniel Jones is not that bad. I agree with they you. They have no time to do nothing, that guy. That team stinks. I think, because New York gets a lot of media coverage, too. Daniel Jones gets a bad rap. I'm telling you, Daniel Jones on the right team, Daniel Jones is a good football player. I'm telling I watch him all the time, and I'm like, this guy's got a rocket for an arm. He's big. He could run. He could do all these things. He's in a disastrous franchise. I would bet you. I would bet you. And I don't know this for a fact, obviously. But the Chicago Bears could have ruined Patrick Mahomes if they would have drafted him. Oh, no. If you're on a if your franchise, now, as opposed to Mahomes going to a franchise that's already good. So some of these guys benefit, Mahomes in particular, benefit from being drafted later and being on a winning team basically immediately. Fields is shot. That's another guy that's shot. That guy stinks. I told Pampy the day they drafted that guy, you may as well just take that draft pick and just toss it in the trash can. But this guy, this guy is not that good. We'll yeah. talk quarterbacks another day because I'd, I'd love to get into my opinions on how some of these guys' careers were made off of, like I say, Mahomes, a big assist by going to a good team. Tom Brady, by getting drafted late, that puts immediate value in your first four or five years. You're already on a good team. Where most guys, you look at Manning going to the Colts or whatever, they, they took three, four years he, to get a team piece. He rode the bench yeah. Bledsoe for a while. Exactly. Yeah. But these guys are coming in on yeah. solid teams. They're coming into the NFL on teams that, that are ready to win. It helps a ton. It helps, helps a ton. Right. All right, we're going to be signing off. This was yep. a fun show. Uncle Clint, thank you. Caden, thank you. Uh, follow us, like us on Spotify and Apple or wherever you get your pods. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night.